Happy Mother's Day, everybody. Um, if you're in the theater, hello. We're so glad you're here. Um, and also, if you're online and you are just in bed and your kids are bringing you breakfast in bed, hey, happy Mother's Day. Way to go. Um, but we're so glad that you're here. Um, we wanted to start with our scripture. And um, it's out of 2 Timothy 1.5. And the reason we chose this was because we have on stage represented, um, we've got grandmothers, we have new moms, we have daughters. So we have kind of a multi-generational thing going on up here. And, um, uh, and so when we read the scripture, you'll understand. But I am reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded lives now in you also. And so the ladies that we have on stage um, are pretty cool ladies. <laughs> um, I'm going to start by introducing Terry Marquardt. She's in the middle in a striped shirt. If you don't know Terry, you need to. She is um, the best mom and the best grandma. She's got about 1,000 kids and about 4,500 grandkids. So, no, she's got five children and, what do we say, 10 grandkids? And um, so she, hospitality, gift of hospitality, hands down. I don't know if I've ever met anyone like that. So um, she's just the kind of person you're like, um, I want her to be my mother. So <laughs> her daughter Leah is next to her on her right. And Leah has uh, two boys. And um, they are a hoot. They are just the busiest bees you probably all them up here. They're very busy. <laughs> Lee was like, get me off the stage. Um, but uh, then we also have Marsha and wait, uh, yes, no, Tina. Sorry, sorry. Um, I get name fright and then I forget <laughs> names, even though I've known them for 20 something years. Sorry. <laughs> we got Tina Pecor. And we've been friends since we launched the church. And um, we've been through a whole lot together. We're talking head lice, babies. I have head lice. Yeah, head <laughs> <laughs> And so we've just been friends for a really long time. Um, uh, just a lovely, lovely soul. You hope you all get the chance to meet her today. And then her daughter, Mackenzie, she, um, I think a lot of you will recognize Mackenzie. She's on stage most weeks here. And uh, it's been super fun to watch her grow from just a little child up into, now she's a mom. Um, and she's got one little boy, Theo, and she is expecting another one baby. One more boy. Yeah. I'm so excited. <laughs> another boy, another boy. And then um, we have got Marsha over here. And um, Marsha is a longtime friend, uh, pretty close to when we launched, uh, maybe a year after we launched the church. And um, she has four children and uh, one grandson. And um, Marsha is the friend in this group here. That's the vault. That's what we call her because she remembers everything. We have a question. We're like, call Marsha. And so the fun thing about Marcia is she remembers all the good things about us. So um, I'm also Whitney Berthium, if I have you didn't know who I am. And um, I have five kids. And um, just within the past 10 months, we added two new, grand, uh, not grandsons, added two new son-in-laws to the mix. And so now we have seven kids and we are actually, um, uh, I'm, a, I'm going to be a grandmother. So... 
Anna's going to be a girl. So we're very excited about that. <laughs> um, but anyway, we, um, you know, because I, I grew up in Texas, and so my husband grew up in Superior, and um, I never knew anyone. Like, we moved here, didn't know anyone. Moved, I moved to Superior, didn't know anyone. And so I actually chose my family. And so I, I have a unique perspective in that we just don't live around a lot of family. And, um, um, and so I got to choose who I wanted to be part of my family. And I would say everyone up here is definitely part of my family. So, um, you know, we... Um, I think as women, we can sometimes do a lot of damage to each other. And today we really wanted to, um, we hope that you guys walk away encouraged, that you've laughed a little, that you um, uh, just be like, it's okay to be exactly where I'm at today. And because um, we all represent, we are all in really different phases of life and doing different things. Um, but, you know, there are people that in my life, when I was growing up, that there were women who really stuck their neck out for me. And um, my, the people that I'm thinking of are my Sunday school teachers. Um, when they saw I was going through a really hard time in our family, um, they wrote to me. They wrote me letters every week. They would come and pick me up for events. And um, probably 20 years ago, well, about 10 years ago, I went back home and visited and um, I was at a nursing home where my grandmother was, and I walked into like the community room, and I kid you not, every single one of my Sunday school teachers was sitting in the community room in their cute little wheelchairs. They were just the cutest things you've ever seen. And they, I walked in and I'm like, no way, there's no way. And I got to tell them, remind them who I was. And it was just the coolest moment of, for them to be able to see, okay, they took that time and poured into me. And so that was really a cool thing for them and for me. Um, who else had? I had um, two people that, that I think of when um, I think of community and, and women that have come alongside me. One of them was when I was a new teacher and in a strange city, and uh, my friend Pamela came up to me. Well, she wasn't my friend at the time. She um, came up to me and said, I was listening to a message on the radio, and it said to, to go out and ask somebody out on a date to go do something with you. Um, and in my head, I'm thinking, who listens to messages on the radio? Because <laughs> I wasn't a Christian at the time. And, um, and now I do it all the time. But um, she, she was just befriended me and my husband, our husbands got along and we just did life together. And she didn't preach at me, but she sh talked about the person who was most important to her, God, in, in her life. And I became a Christian and she was able to see the harvest. Um, at like a year and a half later, and still to this day, she is just connected to me in a way that is different from everybody else, and she just knows even without really knowing, God sends her in, back into my life, and we'll get supper or whatever at the perfect time, so. And then another person I think of is somebody who is um, older than I, and when I had three young kids and I was pregnant, and she would come over to the house and we would do Bible study together, and I was able to get human contact <laughs> that was taller than this um, every day or every week, um, and just 
diving into the word with her. It was wonderful. I think one of the unique things about us as women is that we just have a deep capacity to love. And Terry has a really cool story about that. Well, I'm going to tell you guys a story about loving our children when they're being ugly. And if you don't know what being ugly means, that's Southern for not being nice. (laughs) So John and I have been planning this trip to France, and we've never been. We're super excited, and I've been on the internet looking at what do you wear in France to blend in and not look like a tourist. So I order myself one of these cute little, you know, 20-inch scarves, not those big wool scarves we wear that yell, I'm from Wisconsin. And I get it in the mail, and Leah's on their way over to my house. So I put it on, and I tie it, and I'm thinking, this is so cute. And Leah's going to walk in and go, Mom, you look so Parisian. Well, she walks in, and she goes, what do you have on? You look like a flight attendant from Sun Country. The scarf, people, was navy and orange. So I told her, I said, oh, wear that with a black shirt and a jean jacket, and you'll be good to go. (laughs) Do not attempt to wear a navy or black dress, because people will mistake you for having a layover in Paris. (laughs) But I love her anyway, even though she's being ugly. You know, John and I have been blessed with three children that are homegrown, and then we have two kids that are adopted. And um, I remember after we got home, people, several people asked me, do you have the capacity to love your adopted children the same way you do the ones you gave birth to? And my answer is unequivocally, yes. I forget that I didn't give birth to them. And remember that the story of the gospel is actually the story of adoption. And because my heavenly father has that great capacity to love, it gives me as a mom a great capacity to love. Well, um, and I think another story, uh, I mean, we could sit up here for 45 minutes longer than what we have, and we could share stories. In fact, we went over last service. So if you came, and I'm sorry, we were late. It's because of us. It's our fault. <laughs> um, but um, I know, Tina, you have a story to share, too. Yeah, I do. Um, one year when Easter rolled around, uh, my family and I were deeply involved in cancer treatments with my dad. And, you know, I hadn't even given Easter a second thought, much less wanting to plan a get together or even celebrate. I wasn't feeling very celebratory. And I hadn't even thought about getting gifts for my kids for your Easter baskets that they can go and find on Easter morning. And before I knew it, Marsha was at my door holding three Easter baskets um, for each of my kids specifically designed for them. And it was so um, much a blessing to know someone else also knew my mother heart and knew that would be important to me. And so she filled a need that I didn't even know was there. Um, And when I went to go tell her when we were talking about stories, I said, you did this. And she said, I don't even remember. So you do kind of that stuff and you don't think about it. You just do it for people you love. I think watching our parents do this for one another and come alongside one another has greatly impacted the way that Leah and I and our close friends 
do life together. We just, we do life together. And it didn't really start out that way. We were friends as kids, but then life happened. Right. I mean, it wasn't, I mean, as we were young, it was, we were friends by association. We enjoyed hanging out with each other. Um, Of course, you're going to enjoy one another. Um, But then, um, so this is us now. And then children. This was our (laughs) established in. Um, (laughs) And so we experienced young life together. But then I went off to high school, Kenzie, middle school. And so it was just like a natural time of separation. separation Because, I mean, we enter in different seasons of life, you know. And um, then here I was a senior in high school. She was a freshman. And you all know as a senior, you don't necessarily seek out a freshman for a friend. (laughs) So I said, see at church, Mackenzie. (laughs) Um, But then um, I was in preparation of getting married and um, I was looking at music choices and I thought to myself, well, who do I know with the voice of an angel? And Mackenzie came to mind. So I asked her, you know, will you sing in our wedding? And she said, yes, let's meet and talk about um, what that would look like, song choice. And I mean, we hadn't seen each other in um, years. And so we met at ECDC and I think we were there for... At least three hours. At at least. And I think we both stepped away, texted each other. Hey, um, that was great. You want to hang out again? Yeah. So it was a great reconnection um, of realizing that I became me, you became you, and um, just entering a different like adult, more mature season of life that we both just naturally came back together. And then um, it was just coincidental, you know, that my husband and her boyfriend, they enjoyed interacting, and it was great finding another couple friend um, that I think a lot of young couples are looking for is um, couple friends. And um, just to do life together. And so now entering motherhood together has been a real treat and joy to have someone to be in the thick of it with. And it wouldn't have been possible without the example that our mothers have set for creating that life together. Um, You know, just a perspective of becoming a woman. um, It's such a good and noble, and it's just a right thing. And we get to be part of you know, other people's lives. Like, this doesn't even represent all of our friends. Like, we know friends that, you know, Tina doesn't talk to some of my people, and we don't talk to all of Terry's people. And um, so, you know what I mean? We, we all have circles of friends, and so I'm sure you guys do as well. Um, and just keeping in mind how to encourage each other and to lift each other up and not tear each other down. But I, I remember a story of um, when I was pregnant with my fifth baby and um, a lady came up to me and she said, well, I could see you coming from a mile away. And I was like, what? And she goes, yeah, you're very pregnant. And it's like, you know, women just say the meanest things. And so I always, if you've ever, and I can say always, very solidly. If I see a, a, someone who is expecting, I just tell them how beautiful they are because um, uh, we can be so mean to each other. And that's what I love about these ladies up here. They are not mean-hearted like that. And I think just to keep in mind that, you know, just as a woman, it's just a beautiful thing. You know, we're just lucky that we get to be women. Um, and so I think building each other up is, you know, really, really important. There's a, quote, there's a quote that I heard once that says, uh, be the woman who fixes another woman's crown without letting the world know that it was crooked. It's a good one. I think it's important, too, to seek out 
um, people that you connect with and not necessarily that you have everything in common, but um, I always try to go back to um, one advice that was given to me was um, pick your friends because they're somebody that you want to be like. Um, and then we read uh, a book. We did a Bible study years ago, Friendships of Women, and um, they didn't remember. But <laughs> I remember um, doing it. I just don't remember what it was about. <laughs> um, but she said, uh, pick Davids in your life. Those that are out slaying the giants, go pick those women and, and be friends with them. And then she also um, gave a, an illustration of driving on a stormy night and you pull out behind somebody and you're able to follow the headlights of somebody that's just a little bit farther along in life than you are. And I thought that was a great, um, great idea. Um, so just finding people that have kids that are just a little bit older than you and kids that you want your kids to be like, um, or, um, just for, you want to be like them for one reason or another. Um, you know, um, we really wanted, one of the things we wanted to do up here was really connect with younger girls. And we wanted to tell you that it's not always going to be like this. You aren't always going to feel like this. We're talking middle school up into high school. Um, uh, there's just some hard things. You're just trying to figure out how you feel about things. And I remember when I was between eight and 10 years old, it was like probably nine, uh, I was somewhere with my dad and I looked just like a boy, guys. Like I looked like a boy. Everyone thought I was a boy. I was a tomboy um, and I was going to the bathroom and um, a lady would not let me in the bathroom. And I, she was like, you're a boy. And I'm like, no, I'm not. And she goes, you're a boy. You can't come in here. And I'm like, I'm not a boy. And, she, and I went back to my dad and I said, am I a boy? <laughs> and he goes, no. And I told him what just happened. And um, I just remember feeling, I remember that time period was just tumultuous anyway with my parents. But I just remember it's okay to have those feelings. Like, I don't know what to do with this and where do I fit? And it's just not always gonna be like that. And we just wanted to encourage you to find other people to talk to. Find people that you can just say, this is exactly where I'm at and it's this, maybe the scary thing you wanna admit or just talk through. And it, we just really highly encourage you just to find people to talk to. So, um, but uh, um, I know that... Leah, you had some things to say about being a new mom. Yeah, um, <clears throat> well, I was one of the first of my close friends to have a baby. And um, as many of us mothers know, how hard life looks, um, how, life, how hard life is and how life looks when you have your first baby. And I just remember feeling extremely alone and isolated. I mean, I had, you know, my best friends, but none of them could empathize or understand, um, you know, what it is like waking up every two hours to nurse your baby or, you know, um, exactly how long the days can feel. And of course, my best friend being my mom, the last time she had a newborn baby, baby was like 30 something years ago. So, it, you know, it was like hard to relate <laughs> um, on that level, but... <laughs> 26. Okay. She's I wasn't going to say a number. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but anyway, um, once our friend group started to grow, um, Mackenzie had her first baby. And it was just a huge moment of relief for me that um, somebody else could 
understand exactly what the day-to-day and the mundane of being a new mom for the first time look like. And um, you, I knew that somebody else was awake when I was awake. <laughs> her, her first words to me when I told her I was pregnant were, yes, I'm not alone anymore. <laughs> It was great. It was great. But it really did impact even how I looked at my first time being a mom, knowing that I had somebody else in my corner to express like, okay, this is happening or this is what I'm feeling. And she would listen to me. And it was amazing to have her in in my corner in that way. And as we've continued to grow, as our friend group has gotten closer, it's been such a blessing to have other women just supporting each other through this very new and very busy season of life. You know, I think um, us up here, we have done a lot of life together. So we've, we've done, you know, babies, we've done um, small groups, we've done all sorts of things. Uh, I mean, we've done hard things. We've done funerals. We've done, you know, just really some hard things as well. But um, we've experienced some really great things um, with each other. Um, um, you know, Terry actually, she's been in a small group for 22 years. Yep. So they've done a ton of life together as well. Um, but one, one story that I have, um, these are kind of our, these are our personal story. <laughs> but we were, I was involved in a Bible study and I didn't even remember it. Uh, they just remind me last month that I was involved in a Bible study one entire summer, a whole summer. And it was at Terry's house and I slept through the whole thing. She told me, yeah, you were involved in this Bible study. I said, I was? And she said, yeah, you slept through it every single week. <laughs> and every single week. And I, I just remember something about Israel. I don't know. And then I was gone. I was out. <laughs> you have five small children. And in her defense, it was in our theater, which is dark. And we were watching videos. And she was out like that. You know, I have no idea what we did with our kids during I don't that. Either. Should I we leave them in the around. pool? <laughs> <laughs> Glad we Mackenzie so and I are still moms. here. Yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, speaking of our small group, we're really lucky that we do have a group that the core of us have been together for 22 years. And as Whitney said, we really have raised our kids together. We've buried our parents together. We've uh, gone through cancer together this last year. But we also um, share so much and also have a lot of fun together as well. So one night a few months ago, um, well, it was before that, Tina and Jason and John and I had been out for dinner and we were driving walking by the old antique store that went out of business downtown and there were a bunch of busts in the window. And I said, you know, I want one of those busts. I think they're just really cool. (laughs) You know, Tina's like, really? And left it at that. So a few months later, they show up for a small group and did not say a word. And I look in my living room and it's Tina. (laughs) She said she went home that night, ordered a kit, made Put this whole plaster on, had to breathe out of your nose. You tell how you made it. Well, yeah, I had to put like straws in my nose and put plaster over my face (laughs) and then sit there. And yeah, it was quite funny. I had quite a giggle doing it. But then the best part was we just hid it in the living room and it took her like 10 minutes to figure (laughs) out (laughs) 
that I was staring at her through a porcelain or whatever that is, bust. <laughs> so and I thought... really special place in my living room. I'm never, ever getting rid of her. And I've asked my children not to fight over her when we die. <laughs> it's horrible. Throw it out. <laughs> she does have something kind of out of her head now. <laughs> Tina's so attractive. <laughs> Okay, I have a quick story. Um, so, I don't know. You know, you make good friends and you learn to trust deeply with these friends. And you trust them with your kids. You trust them with your life, essentially. Um, but when there are wild animals involved, don't be so trusting. Um, about 15 years ago, one night, Whitney and I were walking through the woods down to the lake. And we were laughing and definitely being obnoxious and loud. And um, all of a sudden, in the middle of nowhere, there's some rustling in the trees, and we hear something growling. So Whitney, of course, is certain it's a bear. So before I even know, she's grabbed my arm and throws me in the direction of the bear <laughs> while she runs away screaming the opposite direction, saving herself. She won't let this go. It's like been 20 years, right? Uh, it, it matters. Okay, so it turns out it's just Paul trying to scare us. There's no bear, there's no raccoon, there's no anything. I would have come back. I would have, you know, like, got my senses and I would have, I would have come back. The moral of the story is, be careful who you choose to make friends with because it could be a matter of life and death. That's a story that I share every year and if you're a former student of mine, now you know who it is. Because <laughs> I share it every year during one of the Christian lessons. Um, well, I guess I'll, I'll tell my funny story. We um, were all celebrating one of our friends who had turned 40, and we um, went, and we had a whole thing around town. We sang karaoke, and we went to the Paul Bunyan and everything, and then, um, and then we all went to UWEC because Terry had found out that they had a costume party there, like a costume dance. So a bunch of middle-aged women dressed up in full-on costumes, like we committed, you know. And that, that one isn't... Uh, no, I'll go back. <laughs> but anyway, we, so we were, got dressed and we went into the dance and nobody was there. We were like, oh, they haven't showed up yet. So we're just dancing on the, <laughs> the dance floor. And then I had to go to the bathroom. I went to the bathroom. I saw a poster for, for the costume party. And realized it was the next weekend. <laughs> Whoops. They asked me to come, and I said, absolutely not. <laughs> I don't love anyone that much. Look at that cat lady. That's no way. <laughs> Those are our customs. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, we, you know, like I said, we get to experience a lot of fun things together. But this year, we've actually experienced some really hard stuff um, Marsha was, we were just so glad that she's sitting here right now. Um, she was diagnosed with a very aggressive cancer. And um, I just wanted to ask her what her uh, perspective on community, because that's what this is all about, is community. And, you know, really choosing people well and really reaching out and, and not stopping until you have community, because we isolate ourselves so much. Um, and it's just, it's just breaking us. And so... Um, uh, we just really wanted to really, really encourage everybody to really fight for their community and, and, and go searching for that. And Marsha's done that too. Um, but Marsha, tell us what your community looked like this year. 
Well, I just want to apologize if I, right out front, because being up here makes me a little bit more nervous. But if you have contacted me or talked to me or hugged me randomly, it has meant a ton. Um, community has just been my strength this year, really. It's um, been almost a year that I was diagnosed with. Um, stage four, actually, was my first uh, diagnosis, and then um, we found out that the part on the lung was not um, stage uh, was not cancerous. So they backed me up to stage three. And um, but at the time that my daughter had graduated, I thought I was stage four. And they all my friends just swooped in and made all the food, did all the decorations. It looked way better than I would have done. <laughs> um, and. They just, I didn't serve, I didn't do anything, I just sat, uh, you know, around. Um, and they took down everything. I wish I really would have had it on slow-mo video or time-lapse, I mean, um, so that, because it really was the epitome of, of family just coming around, or, you know, the friendship and community coming around me. Um, and then this is the haircutting. Um, uh, had a friend, uh, Stacy cut my hair in several different stages. <laughs> I, like, I like this one the best. Yeah, Terry was so funny. She was like, oh, I like this one the best. No, this one's the best. <laughs> then she gets to the mohawk. Oh no, this one's my favorite. <laughs> yeah, but that, I mean, they just made me feel like a champion instead of, you know, being sad and doing it with um, at, at home, and then uh, we went to Hawaii together, and um, just, it was a cool time. Um, a bunch of Malia's moms, uh, the, for prom, they got together and bought me my wig, which has been a blessing. Um, texts, notes, thank you, not cards for, for thanking me when I was the one, I felt like I was the one that was so thankful. Um, Weekly, the teachers came to visit me um, every Thursday because I was really worried that people were going to step back from, from being friends with me because they were going to lose me and just protect their hearts. And they really leaned in and loved on me. Um, it was amazing. They did a huge benefit to this fall that helped us financially and um, just really made our whole family feel loved and taken care of. Quickly, what are, what's a way that um, each of you has grown closer to God from being a mother? I think learning just a little bit more and understanding a little bit more God's unconditional love for us. When I had my son, it just opened up this brand new perspective of how God could send his son and the, the selflessness of that and the sacrifice that that was. It gave me just a glimpse of how much he truly does love me and, and love others. For me, I have learned or taken on this um, pressure of now I need to impress my faith onto my children in this whole new role of discipleship in a completely different way um, that I had never experienced before. For me, I grew up in a, a pastor's kid in a legalistic church that put a lot of emphasis on them really knowing the Bible. And I'm glad and I love the word, but I brought that first baby home and I immediately had a longing to know the heart of God so that I could emulate that, you know, for my kids. Um, mine is 
I'm still learning this uh, is to be selfless and humble, um, putting the kids first, just like Christ did for us. For me, it was a lot of prayer. Um, sometimes, please help me not want to strangle the children. And other times for their next steps, what, you know, what, what are they going to be or do and who are they going to marry? And so it was, prayer was big for me. Um, I think that um, learning that, you know, as moms, we grow up with our kids, and I don't think they understand that because we don't even understand that, but we're literally growing up with them. And um, when we were young and we have children, you know, we might not, not, might not make the best decisions on some things. That's why we have grandchildren. <laughs> so, but, um, you know, I think just being able to take brave and faithful steps forward and look at hard stuff. Maybe you've been through some hard things and that's okay. And to, but, but to be brave and look at those things. Um, and I think that just giving myself the room to say, I don't know that yet. And um, I, haven't, I haven't learned that yet. And uh, I, I think that that's okay. That's a no place, okay place to be. But we want to really, you know, as a next step for everybody here, every woman, um, just find community. Really, really look for that. Um, I think our hearts long for that. And um, it's just, it's so important. Um, I'm going to, uh, everybody's going to read a poem to close from one of my favorite authors. It's uh, Morgan Harper Nichols. And um, she's just lovely. She says things that I think, but I don't know how to say them. And so um, it's just different situations that maybe someone in the crowd might be feeling right now. And so after that, um, we'll go down the row here. We'll, those are, it's like a blessing and a prayer for, for women. And then there will be, so just remain seated after um, the, the, we're done. When I'm done, I will just say amen. And then um, just stay seated until the final video. For the one whose past rises in her mind far too often, when you stumble on old vices, you are free to leave them there. For not everything that rises is worthy of your care. So with every step you take, run a shadow in the ground. Dwell not on darker days, for things are different now. For the one anticipating what the rest of the year might bring. And if everything does not fall into place at the same time and place, that doesn't not mean the years you've waited have somehow been a waste. Keep planting, sowing, living, and knowing beautiful things take time, and that's okay. For the one learning to be brave, take deep breaths and take your time. For this mountain here, you will learn to climb. You will learn to brave these all new heights. You will grow in grace. You will be all right. You will learn to see the world from here, a thousand miles above your fears. For the one who has made it through impossible things, breathe deep in newfound hope and be forever changed. For light has found its way to you and you will never be the same. For the woman who is praying, one day you will wake up and all of the waiting will have made sense. You will realize all of the prayers that seem to be tangled in worries were actually wrapped tightly in God's grace. You will realize that even though before you were certain it was over, you were actually okay. And everything that was supposed to happen happened, and you are right where you need to be. For the young woman who doesn't know what to do when her plans have fallen through, uh, more, than you see, more than you see the way things haven't worked out, more than you see the unwritten page of the chapter you are anxious to complete, 
See all around you the change that is happening. See the way the leaves color and burn, and many things in the season you're going to learn. Because just as there are a hundred unread books on the shelf, there are 100 things you do not know yet about yourself, and that's okay. In fact, it's supposed to be that way. This is change, and it's a beautiful thing. You are still growing into who you are meant to be. Happy Mother's Day.